we continue our series on uh, discipleship lessons from the book of Philippians, and we'll be reading from Philippians 1. Our text will be Philippians 1, 12 through 26, but I think I'll be reading from verse 1 all the way to 26, just to give us uh, a reminder of what was uh, read last week as well. Before we do that, let's come to God in prayer. Lord God, we are blessed. We are blessed to have you as the head of the church. We are blessed for you revealing yourself through creation. You'll be revealing yourself through your holy word. You bless us this morning with many celebrations and activities and your faithfulness through all generations. So we thank you, Lord, for the story of your love and grace through Jesus Christ as we, again, will be receiving it through your word. We thank you for the message of strength and joy through Paul's letter to the Philippians. And we pray, Lord, as we read from this book and this chapter this morning, that um, your spirit will be upon us to open our hearts and our minds to your will. Speak to us, Lord, that we too can boldly proclaim in faith that you are the Lord of heaven and earth, and that in all circumstances in life, we can rejoice in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Philippians chapter 1, and again our text will begin at verse 12, but I'll begin reading at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. And we're at verse 12 now. So now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, 
Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if I am going on, if I am go- to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. And I desire to de- depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So as mentioned, last week we began a series of discipleship lessons on the book of Philippians. Philippians, as we noted, was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. Um, So you can understand that things were not necessarily that easy for Paul. And Paul was a man who lived with very difficult circumstances on a daily basis. He was a traveling preacher and and he was unjustly imprisoned. His preaching and advancement, advancement of the gospel was a threat to both the Romans and to the Jews. So as a missionary, he spent a lot of his time in prison. And he was often chained to a guard. And his freedom was greatly hindered. In fact, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28, Paul provides a summary of his circumstances in life. He goes on to state that I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure pressure of my concern for all the churches. 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28. Paul was a faithful servant of the Lord. He was doing the Lord's will. And yet he was still in chains. He was still suffering. He had difficult circumstances that were impressed upon him. And even in this letter to the Philippians, Paul is talking about issues and difficult circumstances within a church. And here, Paul's, in this letter, Paul is talking about two kinds of preachers. In verse 15 and following, he states that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. They preach on account of selfish ambition and false motives. And then there's others that, yes, they do preach out of goodwill. They preach out of love and truth. And then after all that, he says, what does it matter? Now, I think we would say, well, it should matter. It does matter. But the point is here that it's, we do not get hung up with insignificant things. Christ is being preached. And because of this, Paul rejoices. As the message paraphrases, so how am I to respond? I've decided that I don't really care about their motives, whether mixed, 
bad or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed, so I just cheer them on. The book of Philippians. I love this book. It gives us so much encouragement and direction for our lives. And you have to love Paul's attitude. And we need more of that attitude in ourselves, in the church. Not so that the church can be a free-for-all, but the main goal, the main vision of any church is the gospel being advanced. Is the good news of Jesus Christ being proclaimed by God's people. And we should not distract ourselves by insignificant things. As Paul asked the question, does the other stuff really matter? And as churches and as people, we will find ourselves in difficult circumstances. And perhaps some of these difficult circumstances relate to things in our lives that are beyond our control. Perhaps other circumstances relate to decisions that we ourselves actually made. And perhaps some of those life decisions have not been great choices. Maybe ending up in broken relationships or addictions or other circumstances in life. Maybe there's some who, have, who feel that you've been wronged by a close friend, a family member, a neighbor, a boss, the church. You feel that you've been unjustly treated. You feel maybe that you are, yourself are imprisoned. And each person has their own set of difficult circumstances. And Paul's not saying that these things aren't important. I mean, even in these difficult circumstances, and they are difficult, we still have a choice to make. And so how are we going to respond to our circumstances? Because whatever the cause of the circumstance, whatever the circumstance, Paul's letter to the Philippians states that we have a choice. We have a choice to struggle with our circumstance and only see the negative. Or we have the choice to still struggle with the same circumstance but also see the joy and the benefits beyond the circumstance. The struggle will be there. But how you, can re- how you respond can change things drastically. Ritter Church Renewal is a biblically-based journey that our church is on. Ritter emphasizes over and over again, as does Scripture does, that we cannot fix others But through the work of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, we can be transformed. And through this transformation, others will see God at work in our lives. So Ritter encouraged us to ask the question, when there is difficult circumstances or conflicts or struggles, how do I respond? Who am I in that situation? And why? And how does God call me to respond? Is how I respond the way that God would want me to respond? So whatever situation and circumstance is going on in our life, and again, we're all going through something, how am I responding? Why? And is it pleasing to God? We have the ability to respond to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. 
and to change our attitudes and to rejoice in our circumstances. A shoe salesman was sent to a remote part of a country. When he had arrived, he was dismayed because everyone was barefoot. And he texted back to his boss, People don't wear shoes here. There's no prospect for sales. What well, was it later on that another shoe salesman went to the same territory and he immediately sent word to his home office. But his text read, People don't wear shoes here. Great potential. You see how everything depends on our perspective. So which salesman do you want to be? I hope you want to be the one who sees the kingdom potential. The gospel of Jesus Christ advancing. Paul's perspective, his focus was on the gospel being advanced. And it was. Despite his circumstances in life, he rejoiced. He rejoiced even in the most difficult circumstances. And it would have been difficult and frustrating for Paul to be in prison. But Paul saw how God used his imprisonment as an opportunity. And Paul desires for us to know that our sufferings and our hurts are not necessarily in vain. And yes, there is time to lament. There is time to cry. There will be times of discouragement. But as Paul states in verse 13, I'm in chains for Christ. Paul states whatever the circumstances we find that one finds themselves in, Christ will be exalted. Verse 20. And Paul continues to rejoice even in the midst of trials because God has got things in control despite how sometimes we see things as seeming so out of control. But as believers, we believe that God has control of all things. That God is in control of the good. That He's in control of the bad. And Paul can rejoice because God is in control and He will take the bad and He's going to use it for His glory. There's a story in Genesis. Familiar story. Most of you probably are aware of it. It's about Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers, considered dead by his family, considered dead by his father. But then over time, Joseph was taken to Egypt and his father and brothers were reconnected in Egypt after several years. And Jacob, Joseph's father, he he had died. and, And the brothers were now worried with the patriarch gone that Joseph was going to take revenge on them for what they did to him and all the hardship that they had caused their younger brother. So they were prepared to, they were going to approach Joseph and they were prepared to be his slaves. To be his slaves to prevent him from doing anything worse to them. But instead, Joseph said in Genesis 50 verse 20, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Yes, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And Joseph's referring to the drought and the famine and how Egypt was able to store up so much food for those in Egypt and beyond. Paul's imprisonment resulted in the saving of lives. Not physically, but spiritually. 
And Paul rejoiced for a couple of reasons. Typically, when one was in prison in Rome, as mentioned, they were chained to the guard at all times. And now it was likely that these guards would change shifts every so often. So Paul saw this as an opportunity to share the gospel message, and not always with the same guard. In verse 13, we read, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. God is using this difficult circumstance for his purpose. The guards have been hearing the gospel message. And then in addition, Paul was a missionary and and he was unable to get out into the mission field because he was in prison. So others have been picking up the slack and have have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Verse 14. The gospel message continued to go where it needed to go through more people. So Paul rejoices. Paul rejoices because he sees the work of God being done. The gospel of Jesus Christ is advancing. Paul's not necessarily rejoicing about his circumstances, but he is rejoicing despite his circumstances. And Paul kept his focus not on the insignificant things, but on the big picture, focusing his attention on Jesus Christ. The things that happened to Paul actually turned out for the better as far as the gospel message is concerned. And you see, too often in our lives, especially the life of the church, we allow so many of the small things to drown out the amazing message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. How often don't we rather focus on a song, a song that we're singing too much or a song that we're singing not enough rather than on the gospel message that's being proclaimed in that song or in other worship styles or preferences. Paul saw that his circumstances in prison were encouraging the guards. They were growing in their faith. It's important for us to see that we need to look at every opportunity as advancing the gospel message. If the gospel message is being proclaimed and advanced, we rejoice despite what else is going on. Paul saw his prison He saw his prison cell as the pulpit. And he saw the prison as a mission field. And he said, what does the rest matter? And even in these circumstances, a person may have the tendency to question, is it even worth living life if if one has lost their freedom? And Paul questions this here. And he, he says he would much rather be with Jesus Christ but realizes that God has a purpose for him here on earth. So there's no reason to remain discouraged. So again, rejoice. Paul was able to rejoice in his present circumstances, and because of this, he was able to rejoice in his future circumstances. Verse 18, Paul states, Because of this, I will rejoice. Yes, and I'm going to continue to rejoice. And in verse 19, Paul explains God's ultimate plan for him in deliverance. And deliverance in this verse doesn't mean necessarily mean freedom from prison. Or for ourselves, it doesn't mean deliverance from our struggles or from our difficult circumstances. Rather, deliverance in this verse means freedom in Jesus Christ. 
That salvation is guaranteed through Christ for me and for you. The gospel message is advancing. And we will be delivered. Throughout the gospels in the New Testament, we're provided a story of rejoicing. A story of rejoicing through difficulties. Because Jesus came down as God in human form. And Jesus entered into this difficult, sinful life on earth. He suffered through his life on this earth, and he suffered through the death on the cross. And Jesus' sufferings were by far greater than ever, any of the sufferings that Paul endured. Jesus' sufferings were by far greater than any of the suffering that we endure. And the disciples then witnessed the crucifixion of their Savior. And did they lose all hope? We, we talked about that in the litany this morning. Did they lose hope? And perhaps they did for a bit. Things did look hopeless for a while. And there was this realistic time of confusion and a time of mourning. But they could see, and we could see, that Jesus' death was not a problem. Rather, it was a solution. It was a solution to forgiveness of all sins and salvation for those who believe. Again, it's not that we have to rejoice because of the certain circumstance that is upon us. But we can rejoice because we know that the result, the outcome, will be something to rejoice over. We can rejoice in the circumstance, in any circumstance, because God will use it for His purposes and for His glory. And as we read in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. We cannot always understand the hand of God, but we can fully trust the heart of God. I close off with this short story about Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was living in a German concentration camp, and then her entire body became infested with lice, making a bad situation even worse. She was complaining about it one day, and her sister reminded her of the Bible verse that says, In everything give thanks. And the sister challenged Corey to give thanks for the lice. And Corey's response was, well, how can I give thanks to God for lice? But she made a choice to do it anyways. And later she found out that the lice had actually protected her from the assaults of the German soldiers. The Germans didn't want to touch her. So when life circumstances are difficult, when things in the church get tough, what response, what choice are you going to make? Is your choice to rejoice? Let's, let's learn to look at the big picture and see God continually at work. What's he trying to teach me? How is he transforming me? And it's not on your own strength or your own power that you can endure the circumstances. It's all by God's grace and by his spirit's power at work in you. We cannot underestimate how God will use our circumstances for our own spiritual growth and also for someone else's spiritual growth, for the building of his church and the advancing of his gospel and kingdom here on earth. To God be the glory, and may our faithful God be praised in the good and in the bad. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, 
There are things in life that will at times get us down. There are circumstances and challenges that will hurt us and have us cry out to you. But we also know that these circumstances do not change your love for us. And they may challenge us, but through it all we can rejoice. Not because of what is before us, but because of you and what you have done for us. You are faithful in our times of joy and our times of sorrow. So we thank you that even in our anger, our hurt, our frustration, our sadness, our stresses, you're faithful. And you continue to be our God and we continue to be your people. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to endure the difficult times. But also to keep us from temptation and falling away in the good times. And times and blessing when things are going well. So help us to rejoice in Christ at all times. We rejoice because your gospel does not change and your gospel will advance in your kingdom. We rejoice and focus on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may through these circumstances in our life, others come to know you and see that you are faithful to your people. Hear our prayer. It is only in Jesus' name. Amen.